Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Uh, today, I don't know if you know, some of you might be aware that today is actually uh, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Uh, and funnily enough, uh, the World Evangelical Alliance, who organise that, who promote that and put that out there for us to think of and pray and so on, uh, they made it for two days this year. So this Sunday and next Sunday are designated days of prayer for the persecuted church. And so as we begin this morning, before we actually get into the Word, which is uh, up on the screen there, that's our title for today, we'll leave that there. But let's just take a moment, let's just pause and and begin this portion with uh, a moment of prayer and thinking of those who share our faith around the world, among the nations, but not our freedom. So just wherever you are, just pray with me, Let's, let's take a minute. Father God, we're so grateful that you are the God of freedom, that you are the God of peace and joy in the midst of all circumstances. Jesus, your promise to be with us always to the very end of the age, we are so grateful and we thank you this morning. We think of the nations today on this special day and we, we recall several, but we're thinking of all today who suffer for their faith, for following you, who suffer in nations and cities and towns and households and families everywhere. Lord, we bring before you several nations specifically, thinking of the peoples within those nations, and we ask for mercy. Lord, have mercy in China. Lord, have mercy in North Korea in Vietnam, mercy, Lord God, in Yemen, Pakistan, Afghanistan. Lord, have mercy on people, your people and all people, in Saudi Arabia, and indeed among all the nations of the earth. You know the hairs on our head. You know what everyone is facing everywhere. And we bring ourselves before you and we cry out to you for grace, for peace, for your shalom, for joy in the midst of suffering. Only you can do this, and we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let it be so. All right, we are uh, looking at a text this morning, a very, very well-known text, one of the earliest encounters in the universe between God and people. We're in Genesis 3. And as you probably know, uh, it didn't go particularly well. Adam and Eve have just disobeyed God as we come to this text, and they've plunged all of creation into brokenness and pain. It didn't go so well, did it? That first real confrontation. And that is a big bad, as they say, and people everywhere and for all time have been suffering just as we've prayed over this big mistake. We call them mistakes now or bad decisions, don't we? But they really messed it up for us. And for the verses preceding verse 7, just those few verses which we're not reading this morning, you can see 
where Adam and Eve went really wrong in their rebellion and disobedience. But contrary to what I think is sometimes easy to believe and think, God did not pursue them to punish them and scold them. That was not his main reason for pursuit. And that's why I've entitled this message, The God Who Loves and Pursues Us. And in this text, and as we look at some uh, observations through the word, I'm seeing in here that God pursues us to redeem us and to invite us back to freedom and growth and pleasure and peace and joy. It's very easy to look at Adam and Eve's event story and rebellion and the story and to remember it from Sunday school. It's such an easy and early story. It's dramatized. And it's so easy to think that God was pursuing them. If I find you, where are you? It's all about tone. The Bible doesn't use emojis. And if you read it without emojis, you can hear an angry voice. And we'll come to that. Where are you? And I put it to you this morning that that is not what was on God's heart. It's the most stunning realization, I think, when we compare our faith in Christ with other religions. It's true that God calls Adam and Eve to give account for what they have done. But I suggest that this is actually the earliest case of biblical counseling before it's an exercise in punishment. And all the counselors among us, your job now is to look for the counseling technique and see if what I'm saying is true. And we'll see shortly that God's search for people is to reconnect with them and to promise help. So let's read the text. We're in Genesis 3, verses 7 to 15. It'll be on the screen, and I will read it to you from the ESV. And I'm looking forward to making three observations from this text for us today. Let's read Genesis 3. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. 
He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the word of God. Folks, this is not just Adam and Eve's story. This is our story. This is the story of humankind from the first couple all the way through their offspring. And that is us, right to the end of the age. So my first observation is this. God makes his presence known because we were created to be friends. God makes his presence known because we were created to be friends. I know that sometimes when I say those words, God wants us to be friends, I've had a little pushback from others elsewhere, and I get it, because it can sound a little irreverent, but I mean it in the most reverent way. John 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business, their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Again, this is diametrically opposed to every other religion on the planet. People stuff up. The image of God is marred. Rebellion is expressed. God comes after us for redemption and love and grace and mercy and freedom. That's Christianity. That's Jesus. Unlike any other religion on the planet. Let's have a look at a couple of words. Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Heard the sound. This word heard means that they were listening carefully. They were listening intelligently. They were attentive. That is all held in that word heard. You know how sometimes you're doing something and you hear something and it just, oh, oh, what was that? Like maybe last night, fireworks or something. Or you're going about your day and something interrupts you. This is not what's happening here. Adam and Eve were listening intelligently. It's not like they were busy sewing their fig leaves and, and one of them goes, hey, what, what was that? And the other one goes, just look your way, bro. I'm busy finishing my leaves. No, there's nothing out there, nothing to see here. And he goes, I'm sure I heard something. Adam and Eve were not caught by surprise. They were carefully, diligently listening out for the Lord God in the garden. They heard the sound of God walking. And that word sound, the sound of God, that's an interesting idea. What is the sound of God? Have you ever thought about that? That word runs right through the Old Testament and it's translated a whole number of ways. It's translated the voice. We know what voices sound like. But it is translated, they heard the voice of God in some translations. But it is equally translated thunder. It is equally translated the thunder of God in other parts of the Old Testament. Job, the whirlwind, Job, Job hears, but it's exactly the same word, the sound. But it's also equally translated as whisper. 
How about that? The same word is translated thunder, whirlwind, and whisper. But whatever the sound was actually that Adam and Eve heard, the point was this. God wanted them to sense his reality nearby. This is our story. And the next phrase in that wonderful verse, in the cool of the day. Now this word is not about temperature. And it's not technically cool. This is why it's good, well the word of God is very cool, but it's why it's good to read different translations. Because we're coming out of Hebrew into English. The word is not the cool of the day, so specifically, but the ruach, the spirit. So that word is not a reference to temperature or climate, but the breath of God. So as the human race gets off to this very shaky start, this is the situation into which we find the first couple. Adam and Eve are listening carefully, and they sense either by thunder or a whisper that the Spirit of God is blowing on them. This is our story. This is where we can live. What a beautiful place. God makes his presence known because we were created to be friends and not to be estranged. And number two, as is very clear in the passage, we are prone to hide. We are prone to hide from God. Whether it's because of fear or shame or whatever, all people, we all tend to hide from God and from each other. And like Adam and Eve, we humans try to run our lives apart from God. It's the first most natural mistake we make when we realize our inadequacy, our imperfection, our recent sin, or whatever. We are prone to hide from God. Verse 8b, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve try to hide not only from each other and not only from God, but that phrase, from the presence of God. And that word is often translated face. They were hiding not only from him being near, but from his face. In their foolishness, they were literally trying to get away from God, knowing them and loving them. When we pray here at Gateway at the end of our Sunday gatherings in the morning and the evening and we pray the ironic prayer from Numbers, we pray, of course you remember, that the Lord would turn his face toward us. And we do it very specifically. It's a beautiful word of scripture and it's a beautiful pursuit. We pray that God would turn his attention to us. You know how we say to our kids, look at me and we're looking at them. Because when people are face to face, we are a most attentive. Hard to look people in the eye, isn't it, when you've just stabbed them in the back? But we can do it. And we pray that the Lord would turn his face toward us and shine his face on us, that we would receive his goodness and his light and his illumination and his blessing. We want his full attention. 
Adam and Eve have messed up hugely and they realized that they were naked. And so they created for themselves hiding from their most private parts, their most private, now sinful selves they try and cover up. And they're hiding among the trees to avoid being seen by God. But they'd always been naked. This is nothing new. And all had been fine. But now, because of their sin and rebellion against God, they felt exposed. They realized their vulnerability and they didn't want to be seen, truly seen by each other and by God. But it's only their consciousness that had changed. The situation was no different. Wandering, freely, naked, in the garden, meeting with God, unhindered, beautifully connected friends everywhere, enjoying the trees, enjoying the fruit, enjoying the shade, enjoying their environment and their world. And this nakedness is about being seen without covering, without covering up. And we do it because we're embarrassed and ashamed. Man, we go to great lengths to look better than we really are. Like Adam and Eve, to varying degrees, we people hide from God and we hide from each other because we don't want people to see our imperfections. It's understandable, isn't it? But when it's out of proportion, some people surround themselves with friends and friendships and social lives that are just so fabulous. But they're fig trees and leaves, really. Some people immerse themselves in work and busyness and achievements and they're really busy proving how valuable we are while avoiding intimacy with God. And it's fig trees, fig leaves and trees. Some people get really busy serving others, fighting good causes, being as good as good can be, proving that we can be good without God while hiding from God. Some hide among lovers, others among their children, others use alcohol and drugs, hiding, hiding, fig leaves and trees. Don't get me wrong, most of these, most of these activities can be completely righteous. They can be done well when we're walking honestly with God and finding our worth and our esteem and our love and our strength and our confidence with God. Remember, the trees in the garden were originally given to be places of pleasure and shelter and provision, like work and causes and family and marriage and children and food. And yet, those are the places where Adam and Eve hid. The good place that God gave them to enjoy, and they hid in there and turned their backs on him. 
And I don't want to suggest that we all go around living completely honest, 100% honest and unfiltered lives in our relationships, but I do suggest that there is a healthy difference between reasonable personal privacy and hiding your real self from others and from God. But are you completely free in your friendship with God to talk about anything? That word was bang on from Nick. Freedom. God wants us to enjoy total freedom with him, first and foremost, to talk about anything and to bring anything before him. And that brings me to observation number three. God calls us by name into conversation. I love this. I love this promise and the freedom that it gives. God calls us by name into conversations. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, obviously, it's not as if God doesn't know where he is. God knows the answers to the questions he asks us. He's inviting us into healthy, healing conversations. He knows exactly what Adam and Eve have done. He knows exactly why they're wearing fig leaves all of a sudden. And he knows exactly why they're not rushing out from the trees to meet him. Where are you from God is the truly sweet invitation to enter into a healing conversation with our Heavenly Father. And this calling and invitation is sounding out from all creation, for all people, for all time, right to this moment today including us. Look at Psalm 19. I'm sure you're familiar with this. If you've read any of the Psalms, I'm sure this has come up. The heavens declare the glory of God. Listen for all the invitation language and the announcement language and the sound language. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they have no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God's thunder and God's whisper sound out in this beautiful invitation. Constantly, creation shouts and whispers, Creator. Creator, the Lord God, near. And that word sound in there in the text, uh, no sound is heard. That's the word that we just read in verse 8 in Genesis. Could be a whisper, could be a shout, could be thunder, could be a whirlwind. But whatever it is, it's the Lord God inviting us to come close for redemption, for healing, for freedom, and for life. The actual word in verse 9, that, that the actual phrase that is translated, where are you, can also be translated, which way have you gone? That's interesting, isn't it? Which way have you gone? You've gone somewhere. Which way have you gone? But God is not, still not hunting Adam and Eve, to punish them. 
and nor is he chasing us. He is the God who loves and pursues us gently, amazingly. My ministry that I work in every day is the Far East Broadcasting Company, or FEBC, and it's a media mission organization that broadcasts outreach and discipleship programming all over the non-English speaking world. I've touched on it before, and I love touching on it because it's a, a ministry of announcement, of sound. I like sound. I'm a radio guy. It's a ministry of voice. It's a ministry of invitation. And believe it or not, radio can be a ministry of conversation when you have a feedback loop. We are uh, well past 145 different languages around the world these days. And uh, our work, our stations, whether it's FM or AM or digital radio or apps or podcasts or whatever it is, is going out every day to millions of people and inviting them to come out from among the trees. I want to show you a couple of pictures and encourage you this morning. I hope I can encourage you. Uh, this is Sergei. Sergei is one of our broadcasters in Ukraine. And he's in Kiev, right there. That photo obviously was taken in the last uh, couple of months, the last few months, obviously, since the end of February, beginning of March. And Sergei stayed. He sent his wife and his teenage kids away from Kiev, and he stayed to do the broadcast. We have stayed on air 100% right through the whole uh, invasion. In fact, we've expanded our network, and we have more FM stations on now than we had before. And Sergei stayed, and his, his angle early on was... I'll go to the bomb sites and I'll broadcast my program from amongst the ruins. Very Genesis 8, <laughs> amongst the ruined earth, amongst the ruined creation. And his message angle has been this, Jesus is here. Remember Matthew 28, and I will be with you always in all places to the very end of the age. His message is Jesus is here. This is not the end of life. Life is eternal. God made the world a beautiful garden. The serpent wrecked it, with a little help, but the serpent wrecked it. But he has been defeated in Jesus. Turn to Jesus, it's worth it. That's his angle. Very Matthew 28, very Romans 8, very Genesis 3, and he's been preaching like this. This next picture is um, Inna also in Ukraine. I thought today was worthy of two Ukraine pictures and some others. This is Ina, and at the very end of the table, there's a woman, young woman with her face in her hand and glasses at the end of the table. Her name is Ina. She's one of our key broadcasters to young women. She has an amazing following online, on the radio, uh, on all sorts of platforms. And she reaches out to young women, especially all over Ukraine. And of course, online, that's Ukrainian speakers all around the world. And she does shifts every day, and she's speaking to people about the hope that she has in Jesus. And then she invites them to meet with her after her shift. And this is in the middle of the war. And she says, I'm going to be at a certain cafe in a certain street straight after my shift. Come and see me. Let me tell you my story. I want to hear from you. Let's talk. How God is that? And so there she is, and just one photo that's do, she's doing that many days of the week, braving the bombs and talking with people and inviting them into God's story. Come out from the trees. You can leave the fig leaves behind. God is 
intimately and deeply concerned and cares for you. But let's jump the border. I want to show you a photo of another guy. This is Eugene. I met him a few months ago. He is our most successful Russian broadcaster. In this photo, he's broadcasting from home. And he's sitting there, he's a psychologist by profession, and he has more than a million listeners every day. More than one million followers across his various digital platforms every day. This is Christian radio for a non-Christian audience. And then if you look closely in that picture, you can actually see five devices looking at him. Five different devices. That's Telegram and a whole lot of other Russian platforms that I can't pronounce that are, that are streaming live with his audio and then they're available on demand afterwards. And Eugene speaks to people, of course, in Russian, across Russia and across the world where anyone speaks Russian and wants to tune in about the God of hope, the God of redemption, the God of mercy. And he's particularly good at picking up topical subjects and coming at them from a biblical perspective and inviting in, uh, conversation and feedback and talk back. And he has some feisty conversations. People want to make it political and he works very hard to keep it biblical. Pray for Eugene. Pray for all of these people, especially on the day of prayer for the persecuted church. He's inspiring people in their lives, in their marriages, in their parenthood, in their work. And one more picture. We're going to jump way out of uh, Eurasia. And here we are in Mozambique. I want to show you this one. I just met with the guy on the left. His name is Bright. He is a uh, FEBC broadcaster. He is responsible for a number of stations across Mozambique. And the guy on the right, did I say right? The guy on the left is bright. The guy on the right who's receiving a radio, uh, I don't know his name and it's good and I shouldn't say it anyway, but I know what he did. He was born and raised a Muslim and he became a witch doctor. Any South Africans and African people in the room, you're probably aware that this guy was a Sangoma, a wizard. And he was listening to the radio one day. How about that? And he heard about Jesus, and he heard about the God who forgives and redeems. He heard about the God who is powerful enough to rise from the dead. And in that power, promises forgiveness to those who will follow him. A loving God who doesn't chase after us to condemn us for the bad things that we've done. And believe me, this guy's done some bad stuff, like the baddest. What do witch doctors do? Well, sometimes they make you feel better. That's why... Many people in Africa go to Sangoma, but he did some bad stuff. But he met Jesus, and he came out from the trees, and he's following Jesus. It gets complicated. He had five wives, lots of kids, teaching them all in the ways of witchcraft. But not anymore. Now he's teaching them to walk in the garden of creation with the loving Lord God, in the grace and mercy of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He's doing it because he heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the world. There is a lot to be thankful for. There is a lot to be excited about. This world might seem to be in a lot of trouble, and it is, but it's not over, and it's worth it. And you can't get any more powerful than rising from the grave. Hang in there. It's worth it. The Spirit of God is constantly moving among us, 
making his presence known and calling us by whisper or thunder and calling us out from the trees and inviting us into a healing conversation. And we won't linger on these, but if this was a three-part series, I'd say more about the conversations. But just have a quick look at this. Notice in this, and this is for us today, God, when he called Adam and Eve to account, he called them into a conversation. He really did. God, Adam, God, Adam, where are you? I heard this. Why? What did you do? Well, it was her. At least it was a conversation. It's a conversation. At least we're talking. Then when he talked to Eve, conversation. Shorter one, amazingly, but it is. God, Eve. At least that's all that's recorded. But it's a conversation. Notice with the serpent, no conversation. The serpent, he just simply says, because you've done this, curse. Bruised heel, gaping wound in the head is what it means. God did not go after Adam and Eve to scold them and punish them. He punished the serpent and he pursues people. That's us, folks. He punished the evil and he pursues the person. And the same is true for us today. God is calling us by name to love you and to continue the wonderful work of healing you and making you whole and free. He is not condemning you or judging you. He did that to Jesus at the cross. We're finishing up, last couple of verses. He is not condemning you or judging you. He did it to Jesus at the cross. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Those are the words of pursuit and salvation. That is the God who pursues us. Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and save. These are the, the language words of pursuit and love and salvation. The Creator pursues us for freedom. Great words. So I want to give you very briefly three little thoughts to go into your week. And I love this. This saves, this saves my day. Number one. When you become conscious in the morning, when you open your eyes, the first thing, because that's a conscious thing, right? We go from sleeping, unconscious, to awake, conscious. Some of us, it takes longer than others, but the reality is we all move from unconscious to conscious, just like Adam and Eve. Oops, I was naked. Oh, I didn't know it before. Now I know it. That's a consciousness thing. When we become conscious, I invite you, if this is not already your practice, Pray briefly and momentarily. Lord God, I turn to you. I'm here. I'm not hiding. I'm listening. Help me walk with you now. I know that that is the simplest sentence you've ever seen in prayer, maybe, except for help. But I love this. And I pray this many, many, many times a day. I'm being honest, I'm coming out from hiding. Lord, I turn to you, I'm not hiding. I'm here, I'm listening. Help me walk with you now. Now, if you don't feel that that's sincere, let me say this, we pray what we believe and we become what we pray. If you believe it, pray it, pray it. Let the Holy Spirit of God do the work in you, pray it. Number two, listen for the sound of God walking in your day. And as Don said, and has said a number of times at the end of his messages, read the word every day. 
Read it every day, even just a little bit. If it's not your practice, read the Word of God every day. Just get a little bit, because guess what? It's the sound of God walking in your life. And it might be a whisper, but then during the day it might be thunder. Or it might be a whisper, whatever. But remember this, the Word of God is given to us not to be imagined, but to be heard. And so I invite you to speak it a bit, even quietly. But speak it to yourself. Listen to it on an app. It isn't to be just ascended to inside our minds. It's to be heard. Read the word every day, at least something. And here's my last one. Nick, please join me. Number three, join God in pursuing others and inviting them into a friendship with him. This is a simple question I hope might help. A question you can ask anyone. If God said to you today, where are you? What would you say to him? If God said to you, where are you? And you say, I'm right here. That's the start of a healthy conversation. But that's something that you can ask anyone. The Lord bless you and keep you. God comes near and makes his presence known because he wants to be our friends. There is no reason to hide. Walk in the freedom of the forgiveness of Jesus. The condemnation, there is none. The freedom and salvation is on offer. Enjoy your walk, whether you're operating on people in hospital or, or whether you're operating on a garden in, in a farming situation or agriculture or if you're a nurse or a doctor or a teacher, whatever. Enjoy walking with God every day and enter into those healing conversations. He loves you. He loves that. And you can walk in greater freedom and joy because of him. The Lord bless you and keep you today. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.